Good morning, Sequoia Hills. Glad to see everybody here this morning. I'd like to begin uh, this morning with a reading from the book of Psalms once again. Uh, I believe that these verses are very relevant to help us remember you know, that no matter what we're facing, no matter where we are in life, uh, when we're in need of God's help, we know that we can look to Him and wait on Him until in His graciousness He will respond to us. So listen with me uh, to verses 1 and 2 of chapter 132 in Psalm. Psalm 132, verses 1 and 2 says, To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until He is gracious to us. You know, there's some great promises in there for us today, church. That, like I said, no matter where we are, we can look to the Lord. And as we're walking with Him, and as we are in step with Him daily, that He is going to meet our one and every need. Brother Fred shared with us his life verse. And we don't need to worry about what today holds. We don't need to worry about what tomorrow holds. But rather, we need to just in faith say, God, I put it in your hands. And Lord, I'm going to turn my eyes to you, and I'm going to wait for you to respond. And until you do... Here I am, Lord. Here I am. So this morning, we're going to kind of be looking at that. Looking at what it means to continue in our steps with the Lord, in walking with the Lord. It's kind of a teaser, those verses. To say, you know what, God? My eyes are on you. So with that in mind, let's pray, and then we'll get get to work. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning, God, and we lay ourselves aside. God, we ask that your spirit would be in us and be with us today. That, Lord, you would give us a word, God, that we can meditate on daily. Father, a word that will change us. God, a word that will deliver us. Father, from a life that, that, Lord, might not be pleasing to you. God, my prayer for us this morning is that we would keep our eyes on you. That, Father, no matter where we are, we would return to you, Lord. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Well, the, for the past few weeks, we've been discussing this theme of being light. In fact, we've adopted it as our 2013 vision. That we, the people of Sequoia Hills, will be people of light. What we discovered and discussed last week is that really we have a calling to be light in a dark world. As God's children, that's who we are to be. And we, we've seen that, you know, when, when God's people don't have a vision, when they don't have a plan... Excuse me, they tend to kind of run rampant. They do their own thing. And the case study that we looked at last week, just very briefly, was when Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, and what did the people do? They decided that they needed a God to serve. They needed a God to give them direction. And what came out? We saw the golden calf. You know, kind of foolish for them to think that something they made could rule over them. But that's what happens when we don't follow a vision. And as I've said, we have determined this year that we, the people of Sequoia Hills, are not going to run rampant. We're not going to go and do whatever we feel is right in our own eyes. But rather, we're going to follow the Lord. And we're going to follow this vision that He's laid out in front of us. Because we want to do as God commands us to do. And we want to walk in the light that He has given to us. So last week our message was on cleansing and, and confession and, and being a holy people for the Lord to use. And what we discovered is, in fact, that holiness is still the will of God for His people. And let me say that something that He's not going to change His mind on anytime soon. 
He is holy. He's called us to be holy. And we've also learned that He doesn't change His mind. So let's solidify that today, that God's will for us as His children is to be holy. That's what He has called us to. One additional point that I do want to make us aware of this week, so this is a freebie. It's not in your notes. But with cleansing, it's a process. It's not something that just happens and boom, it's all over with. Because when we come to the point in our life and we say, God, I have things in my life that I need to be rid of, it's not just a fell swoop. It doesn't just happen at the snap of a finger. Forgiveness does. God's forgiveness is instantaneous. But often, we will find ourselves in greater pain and hurt and frustration than when we were living in sin because we're trying to rid ourselves of sin. So let me just put that out there as, as something to really encourage you. When you go through a time of cleansing and confession, it may be rough. But, but we have the promise that God will deliver us. Remember what John, 1 John 1, 9 told us, God is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all sin and all unrighteousness. We've all had to clean a bathroom. We've all had to clean a room in the house and it's not something that we can just step in there and say, boom, be clean. We have to go through steps. You've got to pick up the toys off the floor. Then you've got to get out the vacuum cleaner. It's a process to make things happen. And it's the same in our lives. We can't just say, God, make me clean. But it's God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. And we're going to take every step through that process as we need to. But the faithful thing is, is that God will deliver. God will do what we have asked Him to do when we are living right with Him. Remember, His will for us is that we be holy. And and finally, one thing that we saw, that it's not just enough to rid ourselves of sin and dysfunction and deceit in our lives, but often we have to completely sever ties with sin in our lives. We have to completely get rid of those things because, you know, we can say, okay, I'm not going to do that for now. I want to turn my back on that from now. But what we really need to do is often just, just completely cut it off. And I gave the example of the candle and the wick that got just a little bit too long. It gets dirty. It's not as effective in, in producing light. It's not as effective in producing the fragrance that the candle may be designed to do. And so what do we need to do? We either need to buy really expensive specialty scissors or we find whatever's avail- available and we cut that wick back. That's what we saw by severing the ties of sin in our lives that we just cut it off. We don't want to keep those things going in our lives. So that, that's where we were last week. And today we're going to continue on the theme of, of confession and cleansing. And, and today I want us to look at a case study that I'm hoping will give us some insight and understanding that when we confess, when we confess our sins and when we seek cleansing from God, that we are taking the necessary first steps to returning to the Lord. There are some steps that we have to take. And we'll be in the Old Testament today in the book of Joel. And I'm going to cover the entire second chapter. There's a lot of good material in there. A lot of great things for us to be able to read. It's important for us to see that there is a progression. And we've already talked about it a little bit, and we're going to get into it more. But there is a progression that leads us from sin to repentance to receiving the blessings that the Lord has for us. That's where we're going this morning. So in order to save some time, I'm not going to read through the entire chapter. Because that's a lot. 32 verses is a lot. However, I do want to read some key verses that I see, uh, see this progression in. So if you'll turn to Joel... 
chapter 2. Follow along. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, Blow a trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. Surely it is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. As the dawn is spread over the mountains, so there is a great and mighty people. There has never been anything like it, nor will there be again after it to the, to the years of many generations. A fire consumes before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but a desolate wilderness behind them, and nothing at all escapes them. Jump over to verse 12. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. Who knows whether He will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind Him, even a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow a trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, proclaim a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing infants. Do you see the progression? Do you see the things that God is asking us to do here? Let the bridegroom come out of his room and the bride out of her bridal chamber. Let the priests, the Lord's ministers, weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your inheritance a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they among the people say, Where is their God? Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and will have pity on his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I'm going to send you grain, new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied and full with them. And I will never again make you a reproach among the nations. But I will remove the northern army far from you, and I will drive it into a parched and desolate land, and its vanguard into the eastern sea, and the rear guard into the western sea. And its stench will arise, and its foul smell will come up, for it has done great things. Over to 28 and 29, and then verse 32. It will come about after all this, that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And we're going to close with verse 32. It will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. Now I know that's almost half the chapter. That's a lot. I want to say that it isn't because the rest of the chapter isn't worth reading. Because we know that all Scripture is profitable. All Scripture is worthy to be read because it is good for training and teaching and reproof and rebuke in our lives. But I do want to say that we didn't read those other verses because the verses that we read are key to the message for today. So when you have time, go back and read the entire book of Joel. It's three chapters, 20 minutes of your life, and it will bless you. But those verses we skipped over just continue in this progression that we're going to talk about today. So it's not that they're not important. They're very important. But I want us to, to focus in on the verses that we looked at today. So with that said, and hopefully a little bit of clarification made, uh, let's dig into today's message. First of all, we want to see that God's people need to be alert to the darkness in our land. Verses 1 and 2. 
God's people need to be alert to the darkness in our land. We have established over weeks that we live in a dark, lost, and sinful world. There is no doubt in my mind that we understand that. All we need to do is take a look around and see that really and truly, darkness is close at hand. And I don't want this to sound like a doom and gloom type message, and it won't be throughout the whole of the morning. However, for us to get to the end of receiving God's blessings, this is where we need to start. We need to understand that the world is lost. We need to know that there is darkness that, you know what, if we're to be children of light, then we need to shine as bright as we can. So there's a progression. But what I want us to see, that it's not just the neighbor's of God's people that are living in sin. This is a message for the Israelites. This is a message for us. Look at verse 2 again. Actually, look at verse 1. It says, Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. God wasn't just singling out the Hittites and the Canaanites. He was saying everybody, everybody should be trembling. For the day of the Lord is coming, and surely it's near a day of darkness and gloom, clouds and thick darkness. You know, Joel is just setting up a a picture of of just some not happy times coming in, in the lives of the Israelites. But remember, it's not just the neighbors. Joel is saying that they need to be so alarmed that they tremble at what they see. And I want to make some clarification Again, that it's not the neighbors that are living in rebellion, but it's God's people. That's why I say God's people need to be alert to what's going on around us. And according to Scripture, we need to be aware of what's going on in us. Around us and in us. You know, it's, it's easy, I think, for us to, uh, to just go through our days blind to what's going on around us. Because here's the truth, when, when we're living right with the Lord, we want the day of the Lord to come. We want God to come. We want Him to show His face. We want Him to, to live among us and be with us. But when we're not living as we should, that's when we're terrified. That's when we don't want the day of the Lord to happen to us. Because the day of the Lord equals judgment. And that's not what we want in our lives. We want, we want God to, uh, to enjoy fellowship with us. We want to enjoy fellowship with the Lord. So we need to live rightly for that to happen. Because remember what 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us. It says that the devil, our enemy, is, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And so as we go through this life, as we go through the days of our life, we need to understand that everything that we do has an implication for eternity. We need to understand that the devil is out there looking to take somebody down. And if we're not careful, we're going to be lunch. I would be lunch and dinner. But the point is, is that if we're not careful, we will be taken out. We need to be aware of what's going on around us. And, and as I also said, it's, it's easy. My goodness, it's easy, especially, you know, for me to be here at the church half the week. Uh, it's easy just to kind of get into a little bubble and, and not really think about the world around us. And so we can become too easily desensitized to what we see and to what we hear. And so church, my, my caution for us today is that don't be desensitized. That doesn't mean you need to be walking around and, and looking for everything that's evil and everything that's bad. But what it means is that you need to be walking with the Lord to say, God, where are you today? God, where do you want me to be today? 
so that we can see that the, the day that's coming, we want to help people to avoid that day, that day of judgment. Because remember what happened to Lot and his family. They got a little too close with the people of Sodom. They lived close to the city, and then they moved into the city. And so for us as God's people, we are to be in the world, but not of it. So we have to be cautious and careful and alert to the darkness that's in our land. Sound the alarm within your heart, and let's see that the day of judgment is coming where God will not allow the deeds of the wicked to go unnoticed any longer. We know, because we've read the book, we know the end of the story. God wins. God wins. God's people win. So our job while we're here on earth is to be alert and to claim as many for Christ as we can so that the enemy, his numbers are a little bit less day by day. That's our job. The day of the Lord is like an all-consuming fire and fire is all-consuming and it is associated with God's judgment. If you look at verse 3, it says a fire consumes before them and behind them a flame burns. You know, we've seen over the past summer and even just a few weeks ago of the wildfires that were burning in Australia. And I don't know if you saw pictures of that. Uh, there was one photo that came out that there was a family clinging to a boat dock in the water while their land burned up all around them. That is a consuming fire. It leaves nothing in its wake. It leaves a wasteland. And that's the same with God's righteous judgment. When there's sin and rebellion and dysfunction in our lives... He wants it all gone. We talked about trimming the wick last week. But when we have sin in our lives, every bit of it needs to be cleaned out. It's like an infection. You can't just take some of the medicine. You have to take it all so that it will be eradicated. It will be dealt with. He doesn't want to leave anything for us to hang on to. Nothing to cling on to. And ultimately what we see, God's judgment is a good thing for His children. It is. It's a great thing for us. Because much like a wildfire, when it burns through a forest, what does it do? It gets rid of all the dead stuff. It cleans up all of the, the junk that's been left behind from, from rainstorms and windfall and everything else that falls off and dies. So fire really can be a good thing, and it's the same for us. It's, it's a way that nature cleanses itself, but you know what? Unlike nature that can't stop a wildfire... We as God's children can stop God's judgment in our life. Do we understand that this morning? We can stop God's judgment. And how do we do that? You know, as I mentioned last week, we need to keep that short account of grievances with the Lord. And by doing so, we stay on top of the undergrowth. We stay on top of the overhangs and things in our lives that, that cause us to trip up in our walk with the Lord. We talked about how there's sin that, that easily entangles us. Those little briars that just kind of come out and trip us up. But with God's fire, it burns all that down. But it's our job as His people to confess to Him and say, Lord, I've messed up in this area. God, I need You to keep me clean in this area. And you know what? We've seen 1 John 1, 9. He's going to do it. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What I want to understand in the positive side to fire is that, you know, uh, it hurts in the moment. Fire is not a good thing. And I know that we, we know people who have lost homes. We know people that have lost property in the fire. But what happens after the fire? After that ground has been swept clean, after the dead stuff has been burned off, what happens? The ground is left fertile again. And if you've never seen a forest in regrowth, 
After a forest fire, it will blow your mind. Because that's one thing. There are certain pine cones, and I find this amazing, that will only open up to reseed under the heat of a fire. So God will allow those things to come in our lives. He'll allow that judgment to come in our lives so that what will happen, our hearts will be fertile again. But church, let us not get to that point. Let us not be to that point in our lives where sin is so built up that it takes God saying, you know what, I'm done with you for right now. Why don't you sit over here and let me take care of you. Let me deal with you. Discipline is not fun for anybody. God does not get joy out of disciplining His people and we definitely don't get joy out of receiving that discipline. So church, my my admonition, my encouragement to us today is let's keep those list of grievances short with the Lord. Let's not let His all-consuming fire race before us and destroy what He might have in mind for us. When God works in us, when His purifying fire falls upon us, new growth can happen in our lives too. But you know what? Sometimes we can have that controlled burn. We can have that control in our lives and say, God, do this for me. God, do this for your name in me. And for us to keep the fire of judgment at bay, we need to return to the Lord. Verse 12 says we need to return to the Lord with all our hearts. Return to the Lord with all our hearts. And he says for us to return now. Not tomorrow, not next week, but now. And when we do return, He wants us to do so with all of our heart, not just part of it. Like I said, He wants all sin gone in our lives. He wants all of our heart. He wants us to be able to live under His guidance and under His protection and under His glory with all of who we are. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. All of us, every bit of us, not just a part of it. It doesn't make sense for us to keep part to ourselves. Because when we keep just part of it to ourselves, you know what? We're going to live miserably. We're not going to be able to experience all that God has for us. And I've asked the question before, and I'm going to say it again, that if we're not seeking Him first, are we truly seeking Him at all? Again, the verses that Brother Fred shared with us. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And everything that we need is going to be added to us. Everything that we need. When we make the conscious decision to get rid of sin and seek the Lord with our whole heart, Jeremiah 29.13 tells us that we will find Him. And when we find Him, He will set us free. And one thing I'm so grateful for is uh, how often God will easily lay out the instructions uh, for us to understand things that we need to do. I am slow. I am a slow learner. You can ask my kids. You can ask... My wonderful wife, I am a slow learner. It's just how it is. But God in His sovereignty knew that I would need some help, and I hope I'm not the only one here that, that's that way. But in verse 12, He gives us a few ways that accompany returning to Him. And what does it say? It says, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. And so we need to return to Him through fasting. And I know I said it. I said fasting. And what I want us to understand is that I'm not talking about that cold turkey, 40-day in the wilderness type fast, no food, no water, because that's a special calling that God needs to lay directly on your heart. But what I'm talking about is once a day, once a week, denying yourself a basic need or even a basic want. I love Code Red, Mountain Dew. 
and I can drink it till the cows come home, but I don't need it in my life. <laughs> what we have to understand is that when we deny ourselves just something simple like that, and instead we turn and feast ourselves upon the Lord, there is no telling what God will do in our lives. You can see example after example in Scripture where the people have stopped, where they have fasted, where they have prayed, where they have wept over their sin, and what does God do? He turns their situation around. He blesses their efforts. He blesses their lives because He wants His glory. He wants His name, His renown made known among the nations. And that's what He is calling us to do. And through fasting, God is going to open up opportunities. He's going to open up doors that we may have never known existed. Because we're simply saying, God, I deny myself this pleasure today. I deny myself this need today. And I'm going to feast on you instead. God, what do you have for me? What can I take into my life today? Because in, you know, there, there's one thing that I do want to say that fasting is not an express lane to get whatever we want. Fasting is not an express lane ticket that says, Shoo! here I am to the front of the line. God, give me what I need. Because sometimes when we fast, and it needs to be accompanied with prayer, because otherwise you're just dieting. When we're fasting and when we're praying and we're seeking the Lord's face, we need to say, God, what is it that's in my life? What else is there? And oftentimes He's going to reveal to us things that He needs to work on in us. Things that He needs us to work on to say, child, you're not ready yet. Child, I have some great things ahead for you, but until you get this area of your life right, until you fully commit yourself to me in this area, then we'll move forward. So it may be that you find yourself again in a, in a place that's just not real pleasant. But what do we see? God delivers. God brings us through that time. You know, if we would get back to the practice of fasting in relation to being clean and holy before the Lord, truly there's no telling what He would do. There's no telling what He would do with this church. There's no telling what He would do with us personally. God would, would sweep through us like a wildfire in a good way. We could see more and more people coming to faith in Him. We could see the effectiveness of this church go through the roof. And that's not to say that we're not effective, because I've said before, God is moving in the lives of the people of this church. But let's do it 100%. Let's do it 110% and see what God would do. Another way that we return to the Lord is through prayer. And you know, it might sound real simple, but prayer is a must. And like fasting, it takes discipline for some of us. It takes discipline to be able to sit and think and pray and, and, and bring people to mind, bring our own needs to mind. But once we make it a regular habit, once we begin to confess to God our shortcomings, and confess to Him our need of Him, like fasting, there really is no way for us to know how God is going to bless us. We will not know it until we begin to try it. God wants us to live lives of righteousness, and through the disciplines of fasting and prayer, we can find the grace needed to live the lives that God has called us to live. Those are the two aspects that I want us to take away from today, that when we desire to return to the Lord, there's some steps we need to take. And two of them, I really believe, are fasting and prayer. Let's go on to the next one. God is gracious and merciful. and In fact, He's so merciful that He holds back His full wrath. He holds back His full wrath. Verse 13, Rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, 
slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. Church, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about beatitude, the beatitude of meekness. And I want to say that here it is clearly displayed for us to see. God is showing His great meekness towards us. Because when we go astray, God is angry. When we go astray, God is not happy. He doesn't just sit up in heaven and kind of nod His head and say, That's alright, child. You'll figure it out soon enough. No, He wants us to live those holy and righteous lives. That life of right, of right living. And when God gets angry with us, it's over our sin and the fact that we've chosen not to follow Him. But according to this verse, verse 13, it says that He relents from doing evil to us. He relents from giving us exactly what we deserve. Now that's a promise that we need to cling to today. That we can say, God, I need this taken care of in my life. I need this swept out of my life. And what's He going to do? He's going to bless us for it. He's going to say, child, I'm glad you came at this time because, boy, something bad is about to happen. And it's not that He looks to give us evil things because He doesn't. He's the giver of good gifts. But sometimes His good gift comes after we go through that time of discipline. So let's avoid the time of discipline and say, God, here I am. With all my heart, I give myself to You. It means He doesn't give us what we deserve and that is meekness. The strength of God held back because of His great mercy and compassion towards us. Slow to anger. Remember that. He's slow to anger and rich in loving kindness. It's not just slow to anger and that's it. But His loving kindness towards us is rich. One thing we need to note here is that when we do return to the Lord and we do it wholeheartedly, there will be a brokenness. There should be a brokenness that accompanies that returning to the Lord. It says to rend your heart. It means to tear your heart open to give everything that you've got to the Lord, like I've said, wholeheartedly come back to Him and say, Lord, here I am. Rend your heart. Brokenness, repentance, really should go hand in hand. Repentance always equals a blessing. We can be assured of that. Verse 14 says, Who knows whether He will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind Him, even a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord our God. Just as brokenness is an effect of repenting, so are the blessings of God. We can reap those blessings. God positions us to receive from Him all that He has planned for us when we humbly come before Him and and submit ourselves under His loving hand. You can go back later, but look at John 21. John chapter 21, and, and we see at this point in the story that Christ has been crucified. He's died. He's buried, but praise God, He rose again. But before all that happened, in the book of John, we read that Peter has betrayed Christ. He's denied Him. And he said, I don't know the man. But then we get to chapter 21 in John, and what happens? They're so discouraged. Peter's so discouraged. He hasn't hasn't seen God manifest Himself in Christ like, like Christ has said He's going to. And so what does He say? He says, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I've known. God, if He's going to do what He's going to do, I guess He'll do it. But for me right now, I'm going fishing. And so as they're out in the lake, as they're doing the job that they only know how to do, what happens? Christ comes again. 
And Christ stands there on the shore and He calls out, Children, do you have any fish? And their response is no. Why? Because they're not doing what God has called them to do. Christ commanded them to go to Galilee and wait for Him. And here they are, fishing. Now I'm not saying that we can't get some great revelations from the Lord out fishing. Because I think we can. But what I am saying is when God gives us direction, we follow it. And so here's Christ. He's calling out to the disciples and saying, Do you have any fish? And their response is no. And so He says, Then throw your nets to the other side. And again, I'm slow. I'm right in the same boat with Peter. You know, it takes them a while to realize, Well, we'll throw the nets over. The lights come on and they realize it's the Lord. They realize that it's Christ. And what does Peter do in his... His zealousness for the Lord, he jumps overboard. Puts his shirt back on and he jumps overboard and starts swimming. I think he forgot he was in a boat that he could have rowed. May have gotten there a little quicker. But he jumps overboard and he swims back to the Lord. He returns to his Savior with all that he is. And what I want us to understand in this example is that God in his mercy, Christ in his love for his, his disciple Peter... He reinstates him into the gospel ministry. He asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. He gives him a second chance. And because of that second chance with Peter, with Paul, with so many others, we have the gospel today that we can say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Because here's the thing, God's blessing won't be just for us, but it's going to be for others that are around us as well. As I've said, when we, church, will come back to the Lord wholeheartedly, we're going to see God move in our midst, and we're going to see God move in this community around us. We cannot deny that simple fact that God is going to move in us and move around us. We will be the light to those around us, and we will be fruitful as we live our lives under the leading and guiding of our Lord. God is determined to deliver us, He's determined to refresh us. And He is determined to make us fruitful. Let me say that again. God is determined to deliver us. He's determined to refresh us. And to make us fruitful. Verses 18 through 20. I'm not going to read them again. But God loves His people. And oh church, may we cling on to that good word today. That no matter where you are in life, God loves you. And we heard it last week that God loves you where you are, but He loves you too much to leave you where you are. He loves us. Let that be a comfort to you no matter where you are in life today. Just as we are to live righteous lives, we are also to live fruitful lives. And in verse 25, God tells the Israelites that He's going to make up for all of the years that the locusts have devoured. All the years that we've chosen to live in sin. All the years that we've said, God, I don't want your way, I want my way. When we finally come back to the Lord, He's going to say, Child, I'm going to make those years right. We can't go back and live them. This isn't back to the future. We can't go back in time and make those days differently. All we can do is say, God, will you make the years to come fruitful? And we have that blessing and we have that promise that He will deliver. He will make the years fruitful. You're not so far gone. Not so far gone in your sin that God won't restore those years. Like I've said, you can't go back and relive them. But He's going to make your future years so bright 
and so productive of a harvest for His kingdom. That is a promise. God will deliver us from the enemies that fight against us and He will refresh us as the spring rains refresh the earth. God will cause fruit to burst forth from your life that will honor, please, and glorify His name above all else. We're coming into that progression where we realize our sin, where we've come back and said, Lord, please forgive me. Lord, renew my relationship with You. And now we're going to get to see some of those blessings that He promises us through His Word. That fruitfulness comes. The fruitfulness in our life comes when we begin once again to allow the Holy Spirit to live and dwell within our lives. Repentance, church, repentance positions us for refreshing, which clears a path for His Spirit to abide. Repentance positions us for refreshing, which clears a path for His Spirit to abide. You know, I said that there's this progression, and I'm going to repeat it again, that as we, we've gone through the verses, we see that we need to be alert to the darkness that's around us and in us. It's not just enough to say, boy, they've got some issues. But we need to look at ourselves in the mirror, the mirror of the Word of God, and say, Lord, this is where I am. And I recognize that. As we, as we go through that, as we've been alerted to that, we need to return to the Lord with our whole heart. Return to the Lord in order to have our relationship restored with Him. Because what comes out of that restored relationship is a life of fruitfulness. A life with meaning and a life that's going to glorify the Lord. One other thing our repentance does is it allows the Holy Spirit to abide in us. And I want to say that I'm in no way suggesting that our sin causes the Holy Spirit to vacate us. To to leave our lives. That would be absolutely heretical. That's not the case. But what I am saying is this, that we cannot live our lives consumed with sin and expect the Spirit to approve of or to go along with anything that we are doing. How foolish of us to think that we can do as we please and God would be pleased with us. When we let go of sin, when we ask for the cleansing that only God can give, God promises that He will pour out His Spirit. He will pour out His Spirit upon us to bless those around us. Lost my place. There we go. Look at verses 28 and 29 again. It will come about after this that I will pour out My Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out My Spirit in those days. It's not just for us. It's not just for God's people. It's for everybody. That when we return to Him, when we say, God, here I am. This is all that I've got. Lord, do a work in me. His His Spirit will be poured out upon us for our benefit and for the benefit of those around us. I said last week that God commands us to be holy. He wants us to live holy lives and that our spouses... And our children and our neighbors need to see us live holy lives. That's what happens when the Spirit of God is living through us. That's what happens when the Lord pours out His Spirit upon us as we live those lives of righteousness. It's a refreshing and an abiding that only comes through our security and salvation. So last point, we're going to close with this, that we have a guarantee. We have a guarantee that when we call in the name of the Lord, we will be saved. Verse 32, and it will come about that whoever, whoever 
calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. You know, that's a pretty cool guarantee. I was watching TV yesterday and I saw a commercial on a uh, certain brand of tires. I don't remember what it was now. Uh, said that they're guaranteed to 90,000 miles. Yeah, that's a lot of miles. And that's a pretty good guarantee. But we know what happens with tires. They wear out. They've got to be replaced. A couple hundred dollars for you to pop down right there. But God's guarantee is this. It's a lifetime guarantee. And it's not our lifetime, but it's His lifetime. It's an eternal guarantee that when we call out to God in our time of need, when we call out to Him because we need a refreshing touch, He will save us. That's a promise for anybody. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, unfortunately, we've all sinned. And we're all going to continue to sin. That is our nature. We are fallen people. But by the grace of God, and by His nature, He has redeemed us. And His nature is to save those and redeem those that call upon Him. So let's remember to call on Him this coming week. And be positioned to live the fruitful life that He has for us. You know, I want this message to stick with you all week. I want the message to stick with me all week. I want us to understand that that when we sin, we need to confess it quickly. We need to keep that list of grievances with the Lord very, very short. We don't want to miss out on a fruitful life that He has in store for us. We don't want to grow callous to what God wants to do in us and through us. Remember, there's a dark world that needs us to be light. There's a, a person out there in your life that needs you to shine brighter than you ever have before. So church, let this message stick deep within our hearts this week. I say that because next week we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper. And I don't want us to live a week this week however we want and get here on Sunday and say, Woo! Now it's time to get right with the Lord. Let's, Let's not wait until next Sunday. My challenge to us this week is to live a week of prayer. Live a week of fasting. Live a week of seeking the Lord on a daily basis so that when we come next week, we can celebrate the observance of the Lord's Supper. Let us celebrate that time together. Now you may be here this morning and you may be thinking, man, I've got a wildfire just raging in my life right now. I don't know where God is. I don't even know who God is. He says now. Now is the time to return to Him. Now is the time to seek His face. Because when you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You will hear and see His deliverance in your life. Now is the time. Brother John and I will be down here together. If anybody needs to come and pray with us, if you just need to pray quietly in in your seat this morning, God's there. He's here and He's going to listen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Your Word is truth. And on it solely we rely today. That God, whatever we do, whatever we say, Lord, I pray that it would be out of a love for You. That God, our hearts would be completely returned to You. That Lord, we would not have a a reason to see Your consuming fire of judgment flow through our lives, but rather God, that fire 
that's more like a controlled burn. That God just gets rid of those little areas here and there. But Father, today as this church, God, we want to offer up our lives to You. And Father, I pray that if there's anybody in here this morning that has not done that, that God, they would seek Your face. That they would return to You, Lord, and receive the blessings that only You can give. Father, we are grateful to You. And God, we are thankful for the work that You can and will do within our lives. And it's in Your name we pray. Amen.